Inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. If you found this podcast valuable and are looking for an easy way to support us, you can help us out by claiming your free audiobook and one-month free trial at audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. That's audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. All right. So hello and welcome to another episode of Doing Ministry Well. We are in Clarksville today and it, the sun is actually shining which is great. I think after this interview, I might go for a little walk with my dog. Um, Jim Baker, your host here, and today we are joined by Alicia Williams. Alicia, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah. Um, Alicia, your husband was on the show recently. Um, He's going to start off this season, so that's fun that we got both of you guys on here. And uh, I mentioned my dog. You guys were the breeder for my dog, too, so that's a a cool connection. And I'm trying to think... Other ways we've been connected. You guys did the first red school that I helped out with. Yep. That's where um, we first met. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you can be on the show today. Um, tell me a little bit about your ministry. Well, my ministry is actually very, very different. Um, I was looking back over my life, and I just really didn't remember a time that I wasn't involved in ministry. Hmm. Um, just early on, even as a young child, I, I told my mom I wanted to be a missionary, and she had no idea what that meant because she was an unbeliever. Hmm. So, um, But after that, kind of I always was involved um, throughout high school, college, just always involved in some really cool things after college. Um, that I'll talk a little bit more about later. But um, right now, my ministry looks very different. And that is, um, I'm homeschooling my four children. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning to minister within my home, Hmm. first and foremost. And that looks very different than anything I've ever done in the past. And um, so that's been my first uh, ministry right now. Um, second ministry that I'm kind of working with is a ministry called Jonah's Journey. And um, I'm a caregiver for a 14 month old uh, little girl. And I've had her since she was two days old. But uh, Jonah's Journey is a uh, Christian based foster care that ministers to incarcerated women. And so um, I get to do a little bit of prison ministry. I go into the prison. Um, at least twice a month and get to meet with our foster daughter's mom and I can't say her name but I speak with her Uh, get to meet with her get to minister to her get to lift her up and empower her as a mom within the prison but at the same time caring for her child Hmm. um, at home and loving her and providing a safe place for her Hmm. to grow and to nurture and um and so that's been a little bit of a different um, type of ministry because it's outside of the four walls of the church. Hmm. And so um, when I began that, it I didn't really see it as a ministry because it wasn't something that was defined in the church mm-hmm. as our church is going to grab a hold of this. The church I attend, no one else is involved in Jonah's journey. It's not something that the church does. It's just something I heard and God tugged on my heart and said, go join. Hmm. So... Um, we've been doing that for uh, just over two years now, been involved with them in different ways. Um, so that's a pretty cool little ministry that um, I'm doing. And then uh, thirdly, uh, within the local church, uh, finally getting um, some ground there to where I can, I feel led to, to get more involved with the church. And um, after three years of being there, I'm leading some women's Bible studies, um, mentoring some women who are 
are dealing with uh, issues that I've dealt with in the past and just mentoring them and helping them through some some hurts that they have right now. Um, and then I'm also uh, involved in the SOZO ministry at the church as well. So those are just some different different ministry things that look totally different than what I thought I would be doing hmm. at at this season of my life. Hmm. That's awesome. Those are four really big things. <laughs> really big things. Yeah. Um, a question that came to mind, you mentioned that you're homeschooling four, four of your children. Yes. And then you decided to foster another. Talk Correct. to me a little bit about that process of going from we've got four kids and now I want a fifth. Okay. Well, that was a a pretty easy thing for me. Um, I had dealt with a lot of, I'm just a mom. And that was something that uh, the enemy had really used to put a negative spin on my life that I'm just a mom right now. This is a season that I'm taking a break from ministry, um, taking a step back and just being a mom. And it it became a very negative thing. Hmm. And then one day I was just I asked, well, I actually, I think I just said that out loud. I'm tired of just being a mom. Hmm. And I wanted something more. And as he always does, um, Jesus turned that completely around and said, you are a mom. Um, but you're a mom who can open up your home and be a mom to the fatherless. Be a mom to um, women in the in the body and the community around you who don't have spiritual mothers and so he actually said I want you to just be a mom and so so, um, at that point I tried to convince Blake hey what's one more when you have four children what's one more (laughs) our life is already chaotic and it's a little bit um, unorthodox I think at this time to have such a large family Mm -hmm. but our house is crazy there's a lot of days that I don't know how I got through the day, but ultimately it's not its not the one extra child that put it there. So um, I would open my home up to many more children, um, but our vehicle is maxed out. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we actually got asked before um, the child we have now, we got asked to take a sibling group. And we actually had to say no because our vehicle only mm. seats seven, so we only had room for one so but we would love an opportunity to to invite more into our home um our foster child hopefully will be reconciled with her mom um by the end of july first of august Hmm. and once she is reconciled with her mom we would be open to whatever god wants to do there how many of her children and just trust him with the vehicle issue (laughs) right right you mentioned just being a mom and how that was kind of a negative mm-hmm. negative spin for you. Let's just talk a little bit more about that because I'm sure that some of our, our listeners probably struggle with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's something that I believe a lot of women are dealing with in the, in the Pinterest world, mm. um, as I like to put it. Um, I spend a lot of time judging myself as a mom compared to other moms, comparing myself um, as a as a Christian to other Christian moms even. Mm. And so that just a mom and the negative spin that it took um, put me in a very dark place for a while. And it really was one of the biggest struggles I had um, in my my Christian walk because I felt very isolated from people. A lot of times as a stay-at-home mom, you're 
the only interaction you have with someone is over what happened on Dora that day. <laughs> and that's not the most stimulating conversation. And so uh, it was a very dark time mm. when I allowed the enemy to use that um, in my in my mind and just to dequalify me mm. is really what it did. It dequalified me from anything other than this negative thing that I had grabbed a hold of. And so when the Lord just completely turned that around for me and gave it as as a positive thing, I have a loving husband who goes to work and works hard every day so that I can stay home hmm. uh, with my children. God's given me the ability to um, budget frugally so that um, our our family of seven can live off of a very small uh, financial means. Um, so he's given me that ability. And so I can take advantage of that and I can begin to use that opportunity to realize that my children are the first, the first people who ever get to be impacted by my ministry. Hmm. They get to be loved and encouraged and given boundaries in a healthy way to, to learn and navigate this world without being thrown out into the public school and in a sink or swim kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. So, um, when, when that began to change in my, in my heart and in my mind and God began to show me how he had equipped me to do that, it really helped, um, solidify the calling that he's mm. put on my life. That's awesome. And I loved what you said about how Jesus responded to you. You know, I'm just a mom. You said, well, you can, he, he responded, you know, you can, parent your your four children that you Mm -hmm. do have you can open your home and there's other women that also need a motherly influence so absolutely yes Uh, myself included in that I think that was one of the things that he showed me is um my mom passed away eight years ago and so like here on earth I I'm an orphan Mm -hmm. in the um in an adult sense Mm -hmm. but um I don't have a mother um I don't have a spiritual mother even Mm -hmm. that I can go to or I didn't at that time Mm -hmm. God has given me women as I've prayed specifically um God give me a spiritual mother give Mm -hmm. me someone that I can I can reach out to in those darkest times and in turn let me be that for someone Mm -hmm. um and some of those women that he has brought me um, are older than me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's beauty right mm-hmm. there. Because when I can um, love someone, and even our foster baby's mom, I've told her, you know, she's only eight years younger than me. But I said, you know, I'm, I'm your mother. You know, let me take that role in mm-hmm. your life because she doesn't have a mother. Mm-hmm. So God began to really show me how that really looks in the body of Christ and mm. how um, we should be a family and to to pass on what someone else has poured into us and pass it on to other generations, mm. no matter what their age. Yeah, that's awesome. I think this is the first episode that we've really talked about like spiritual motherhood. So that's, oh, good. that's awesome. Good. Talk to me a little bit. You said um, with Jonah's journey, not only are you fostering a child, but you're mm-hmm. also going into the prison and ministering mm-hmm. to the mom. Yep. Is there a story that really sticks out to you or just talk about that process of going into the prison and ministering to her? Going into the prison can be very intimidating. It, it has been from the very beginning. You never know when you walk in what you're going to get, uh, not only from the guards and Um, I'm a rule follower. I will be the first to admit that. So I read the handbook from Mm -hmm. um, cover to cover, and I knew what I was supposed to wear. I knew what I was supposed to bring. But every time I walk in, 
They've had a new rule change, mm. and that's really hard for me, but God has used it, ironically, he's used it to to just open me up to just whatever happens. Mm. And so, anyway, so going into the prison was very intimidating for me. I didn't know what to expect, but um, we, uh, we go twice a month, and um, the Tennessee Prison for Women has open... Um, visitation, which means it's contact visitation. So we sit in a cafeteria type room and around little tables and have conversation. You can play cards. You can go over to the play area with the kids. But during those times um, is the times that I can really speak into our our mama's life. Mm. And a lot of times it's just me and the baby going um, as Blake stays home with our other four children. So it's just me and her and we're able to get down to some of the the deep issues. Um, this is a, a reoccurring theme in her life that we're trying to break. Hmm. Um, a lot of the Jonas Journey uh, moms have multiple children who have been taken, taken from them by the system. And unfortunately, when the system takes away a child, reconciliation is not always the first priority and Jonah's journey's first priority is reconciliation and that was the hardest thing for a lot of people to grab a hold of because people are always telling me I mean we've had this child for 14 months and people speak to me all the time I hope that you get to keep her I hope that you get to adopt her and my my thoughts are always then you're hoping her mom Mm. fails that's what you're saying to me. And I know in our human nature, it's just easy to say she could, she would be more protected in, in my care. But I truly have a heart for that mom and um, the children that she's lost. And knowing that this is ultimately her last opportunity to be a mother and to be a, um, a good citizen and just do right in the law. And so that's what I encourage her with. Mm. We sit for two hours every other week and just um, talk about how she can become the mother she wants to be, kind of what she wants to aspire to. And um, it's a totally different um, spin on the foster care. She Mm. does it. In the beginning, she saw me as an enemy. I was the one caring for her child when she couldn't. Mm -hmm. But in the long term, we have a close relationship that she knows Hmm. um, that that I'm there for her, that I'm Mm -hmm. there for her daughter. Um, And that trust was really built in the 11 weeks that um, she was out. She Mm -hmm. got out of prison. And for 11 weeks, she had her daughter uh, before going back. But it was during those 11 weeks that... We lost contact, and um, but as soon as a need arised, she knew who hmm. was stable in her life and who she could call, and I was the first one she called, and that's where Jonah's journey is different than a lot of other foster care and prison ministries. They really reach out to, to the mom and empower her help her to see reconciliation as a possibility, but to be a net when something happens hmm. and they, and she needs a stability in her life. You can be that stable force, that stable home that just welcomes her back. And so that's when I really began to see this really works, hmm. you know, this really does. And when you pour into someone's life and, and love them, good things really do hmm. come of it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned being frugal. I feel like you are an <laughs> expert in this area. So let's talk about it a little bit. How did you, what are some of the things you do um, on the daily, weekly, monthly to be frugal? Um, I think one of the biggest things that um, I've had to realize is I've went through seasons of being a coupon fanatic to where I clipped every coupon and I couldn't buy anything without a coupon. I've been in that season of my life. I've been in a season of just um, not watching the budget and just hoping that God <laughs> makes it um, work out in the end. Um, and then I've, I mean, I've just been all over the spectrum there. Mm-hmm. But right now, um, my husband makes a good income, but for a family of seven, people go, oh my goodness, how do you do that? And our number one way is we don't buy things that are not necessary. Mm. Um, I was just telling him last night um, that we were swallowing our pride and asking to borrow a nail gun instead of going out and buying a nail mm. gun for a home renovation project. And something that our pastor said back when the first months we were here in Clarksville three years ago, he made a statement about um, not feeling like you have to own everything, Hmm. but living in a community to where you can share and borrow. And that's really okay. And so we, I grabbed a hold of that somehow and um, don't feel like we have to, to have all of the best and biggest toys. Hmm. And so if we want something, I, t- I teach my kids this as well. If we want something, we write it down and we come back to it later. Hmm. And most of our purchases are done away with because we don't buy on an impulse buy. Right, right. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. Um, out of all of your ministry that you've done, what would you say has been the highlight of that time? Uh, that's a difficult question um, because... When I look back, I love my college years. Mm-hmm. I love the times that I was um, single. I love my husband. I love my kids. There's a disclaimer. But <laughs> um, the times that I was single and able to just go and do no matter what God called me to do was really an exciting time. And so for many times I looked, I almost measured what I was doing now to those standards Um, I was very active with the Tennessee Baptist Convention. I was very active with my local uh, Baptist Student Union, uh, very active on the state level as well, which kind of gave me some really cool opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, Spending Y2K with Audio Adrenaline, you know, sitting down over coffee with David Nasser and getting to ask him some really cool questions. Those are highlights in the worldly sense. And so, I, but I measured all of my ministry now is what I'm doing at home with my children just as important as getting to spend New Year's Eve with Audio Adrenaline. Mm. How does it measure with me? And I found that if I was measuring it by those standards, nothing could ever compare. And I was always trying to get back to that place when that was a season that God brought me through. Mm. And so one of the things that he's really showing me right now is my highlighted ministry is yet to come. Hmm. Wow. And that's really exciting to me because I can look back and go, oh my goodness, so I get to do that again? And he's like, no, it's going to look totally different. Hmm. But your highlighted ministry is yet to come because you get to see the fruits of what you're doing now. 
and see it expand with our four children going out when they start families and you see them multiplying your ministry. When I see how many kids have come through our home over the next couple of years, um, many, many years, how many kids are impacted, how many mothers are impacted. And so I can only believe that the highlighted ministry is yet to come. Mm, That's awesome. I like that answer. That's good. Well, on the flip side of that, what has been the biggest struggle in ministry and how do you feel like you've overcome that? My biggest struggle came um, out of out of college, out of my single years, and coming into a marriage with someone who was equally um, gifted and called into a totally different ministry than what than what I was. Hmm. Um, I, I can say that I'm naturally just. Um, it was easy for me to be submissive to my husband from the very get-go, but that also kind of hindered me in um, knowing my place in ministry. Um, Blake has been a pastor. He's been a youth pastor. He's been a um, evangelist. He's kind of done a little bit of everything, and so I've fallen into the roles of pastor's wife, youth pastor's wife, um, wife of Blake. Hmm. And so that was my biggest struggle is, is defining who I was and inside of this marriage and inside of two totally different callings. And so, um, Blake and I've been married for 15 years and I can say it's been a 15 year struggle with this, Hmm. um, this ministry calling and, and what it kind of meant. Um, but in the last, three years, God's really brought me out of that. And mm-hmm. he's, um, I'm still submissive to what my husband is calling, but at the same time, know that it's okay that my calling is totally different mm-hmm. and looks totally different. And, but it's really been a season of God showing me my uniqueness. Um, what part of that power struggle, uh, for lack of a better term, that power struggle there was, um, any of the gifting, spiritual giftings, testing, or uh, personality testings, um, whenever I would take those, I would look at the results and everybody would kind of go, you have a predominantly male giftings in that, in that sense of, you know, hospitality was not high on my list. Um, and personalities, you know, kindness and loving and just all of those things just were not ever high but leadership and teaching and those that are normally found in a pastoral type setting were things that that I was very high in and so I dealt a lot with okay God did you make a mistake did you give me the wrong giftings or mistake in male female what's going on and that's been an ongoing dialogue dialogue between God and I and uh, he's really shown me over the last just three years, a very small time of my, my life, but he showed me that he knew exactly Hmm. the unique person he was making me with those giftings Hmm. and those, um, callings and those personalities. And he made my DNA, my spiritual DNA to be very unique and different than anybody else's. And if I compared it to, um, to someone else, it was always going to look different because that's what he wanted. Mm. And so, um, so that's really helped me to know who I am 
to really uh, grab a hold of who I am and embrace the uniqueness and embrace what he's really called me to do no matter what the season of time and not compare myself to I'm just Blake's wife, Mm. not subject myself to just being that. And I feel like I've said just a lot, just a mom, just a wife. I really like... I enjoy those roles in my mm-hmm. life, definitely. But they can be hindrances when the enemy begins mm. to, to turn those and they become a, become an obstacle in your walk because ultimately the enemy wants to stop me right there. And so I, I now realize it very quickly and go, nope, I'm falling into mm. the enemy's traps there and I'm going to celebrate my uniqueness Celebrate who I am, celebrate who he has said I am, and know that he's called me to do something. Hmm. That's so good. That's so good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Alicia Williams, and she's going to share with us three tips to doing ministry well. If you haven't checked out the new doingministrywell.com website, check it out. We chose Swissco to do our overhaul and are so happy with the results. Swissco makes ministry websites beautiful and hassle-free. Schedule a free consultation today at swissco.us. Hi, this is Brian Ensminger. If you enjoyed doing ministry well, we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out the Engaging Missions show, where we deliver God's stories to your earbuds. You can find us at engagingmissions.com. All right, and we are back doing ministry well with Alicia Williams. Alicia, tell us three practical tips to doing ministry well. Okay. Uh, First off, um, make your ministry start at home. Um, this is something that was, was, uh, an eye opener for me. Um, making your home a place where your family gets your first, not your leftovers. Mm. Um, making your husband or your wife and your children, um, uh, just loving them well. Um, showing grace and honor, um, within the boundaries of your home and just making your home be a place that, um, is a safe place. And that's one of the things that I really started doing when Blake was pastoring. He needed a place to come home and to just be. Mm -hmm. And so my ministry to him even, um, as well as my children, was just to provide a home that was a safe place for him. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've always felt like that was the number one thing that God has told me to do. And so I like to share that with others is your home is not just um what you're stuck with it's not where you come home from ministry it is your ministry Hmm. and so when you change your mindset about that it really um it really changes what you're doing in ministry and how you see it Hmm. you mentioned let's expand on that a little bit you mentioned safety Mm -hmm. kind of creating that atmosphere of safety what does that look like Uh, creating a safe place in our home means um especially with my children um is allowing them to grow within boundaries that I've set, but also letting them make choices for themselves, um, letting them make mistakes. Um, I live with um, six sinners in my home, and um, and then I'm the seventh. And so we live in a home to where um, it's okay to sin. We don't stay there, but it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to um, be who you really are. Um, we tend to have different personalities of who we are at home and who we are out in public. Hmm. And um, I tell my children, especially because I, I teach them all kind of in, in groups. I, I teach our, uh, our oldest and our second together uh, because honestly, fourth, whether, whether you learn something in fourth grade or sixth grade, 
in the homeschooling world, it really doesn't matter. But a lot of times there becomes a competition between them. Of, you didn't know that? Oh, and they kind of make fun of each other. Hmm. And I always remind them our home is a safe place to not know something. Hmm. Our home is a safe place to make mistakes. Um, because when we go out into the world, the world is not a safe place. And a lot of times uh, ridicule comes. Hmm. We're expected to know things. We're expected to walk a certain way, do a certain thing. Um, but at home, we can try those out. Um, just in the last month, our, our Jonah's journey baby has began to walk and I've seen, hmm. uh, as she's tried to walk, how, um, out in public, she would just resort to crawling cause she did it better. Um, like at church, in the nursery, things like that. Um, but at home she was safe to fall. Hmm. And I think God really showed me that that's the picture that we should be setting for our, our husband, my husband, my kids, that it's okay to fall in our home. It's okay Hmm. to try something new and not be good at it. And so creating a safe place in our home really means just being open to, to, to failing and to helping, helping them to, to see where they need to go and directing them in the right path rather than just telling them you're wrong for doing that, go this way. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Tip number two. Uh, Number two, um, make ministry happen where you are. Um, That goes back to the day that the Lord told me I was just a mom Hmm. after me complaining to him that Mm -hmm. I was just a mom. Um, And he began to really show me that I can minister in that and that's where uh, Jonah's journey got opened up to me. And my mind really opened up to, uh, instead of looking for what God was going to do in the future, I can minister right now where I'm where I'm at. Hmm. Um, I said before, I've been in many seasons of ministry. And we have just come out of a season that we considered a season of rest. Mm-hmm. But even during that season of rest, we were ministering where we were. We hmm. were hurt. We um, were what our church calls burnt stones. We had very little to give, but we gave where we are. We gave what we had at that moment. And at that moment, it was literally just opening up our home for people to to prop up their feet next to a fire. That's all we could give at that moment. Mm. But we had so many things come out of that fireplace or that, um, that s'mores ministry that we had going on during that time. We had so many good things happen out of that, and that wasn't even our hmm. our focus. But we ministered right where we were at that moment. We were burnt. We were hurting. We were longing for acceptance and companionship that we just opened up our home to other people, and God showed up and worked. Hmm. But awesome. if we would have been looking just for when's the next time Blake's going to be preaching, when's the next time I'm going to be opened up to get up in front of someone and speak what God is is sharing with me if we had only been looking at that we wouldn't have opened up our home just in the this is all we have right now Mm. so when we minister where we are right now um god can show up and he can turn those burnt stones Mm. into um great things and buildings that he can really build upon that's awesome that's awesome and the third tip Uh, the third tip um minister within your uniqueness um, I spoke a little bit about this, you know, in mm-hmm. just um, embracing who God has made you. Mm. It was not a mistake. Um, one of the uh, one of the 
authors that's kind of been fueling this in me. I think there's a lot of good books out right, right now that mm-hmm. are kind of hitting this subject. Um, I haven't gotten to read a lot of them, but they're on my list for this year. But uh, Without Rival by Lisa Bevere is one that is uh, totally rocking my world right now with uh, this uniqueness and ministering within your uniqueness. Um, she really hones in on... Um, well, what I just say, God does not make a mistake hmm. when he made you. He made you who you are for a specific purpose. And so many times um, we're looking at, we're looking in a church that says you either have to sing in the choir or work in children's ministry. Which one would you like? Mm-hmm. And me specifically, I struggled with that because I know I have kids, but I don't like kids. Okay, I don't like other people's kids usually. Um, That's just not where I am gifted in. Um, And you don't want to hear me sing. And I don't have any kind of musical ability whatsoever. I make a joyful noise. Uh, But especially in being a pastor's wife in the past, I was supposed to fit that stereotype. Which Mm. one are you? And when I began to... look outside of that of going okay I I may not want to teach Sunday school or Awana I may not sing in the worship band or play an instrument but I'm okay with opening up my home Hmm. for someone to come and stay in my home and not not get paid for it opening up my my financial resources I can do that and God is gifting me to be able to do that but if I was looking at it just in the mentality of you have to do one of these I was coming up really really short Hmm. and I felt inadequate within the kingdom but when you look outside of that and you go okay who am I you know what has God uniquely made me to do Um, back in college I would sit and go I don't know I don't know what he's made me to do. What am I supposed to do? Because I was looking through the lens of you do this, this, or this. These are your choices. Mm -hmm. You can be a missionary. You can, you know, be a pastor's wife. You know, it was like set out for you. And one of the things that Lisa Bevere says is, uh, what if the reason you don't know what you're called to do is because you're called to do something no one has ever done before? Wow. And I think back to 10 years ago, when a woman named Lee Allison was asked, would you take a prison baby? Would you take a baby from a woman who is um, in prison right now, won't be out for a couple of years, would you take that child? And she went, God, you're rocking my world with this, but sure. Hmm. So she brought this child in. It did not go the way she wanted. And um, the mom actually brought the child back out and gave up custody to someone else. And she was done. She said, okay, I'm done with this. I did what God called me to do. And he said, no, I'm not done with you yet. And Jonah's journey birthed out of that. But nothing had been seen in that mindset before that. Mm. Like that was not the way things were going. That's not what people did. And so I look at this aspect of my life and I go, okay, what have you uniquely made me to do? Mm. Even if it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before, I'm just trusting God to say, I'm going to get you there. Hmm. I made you. I'm leading you on a path, and I will call you when I get you there. Hmm. So good. 
Uh, you mentioned one resource mm -hmm. already. Um, what are some yes. other resources that have been inspiring you lately? Oh, well, I have so many. I tried to narrow it down. Um, I've narrowed it down to just a couple, but um, a couple of books by Danny Silk. I love just about anything um, that I've read by him. I can't mm. speak of everything, but anything I've read by him is really, I come out of it just totally rocked and going, okay, I don't like this, but <laughs> it's probably what I need to do because I don't like it. So um, Loving Our Kids on Purpose is one that... Um, a lot of what I spoke about probably oozed of hmm. because it's completely changed my mindset of how I view my ministry to my children. Hmm. Um, the just not not giving a power struggle with them came from from that book, and it's totally taken me from I'm a bad mom in that mentality to I'm an empowered mom who has the right weapons to defeat the enemy on behalf of my children. Hmm. And that's what I feel like I have to do every day. I'm going into battle for my children every day. And, um, yeah, that book was one of the things that I would read it before my kids woke up. And then every day they gave me a, a way to <laughs> to implement it. And it was quite funny. Even Even the youngest, there was a power struggle one day between drinking her milk or eating her Cheerios when she first woke up. And so I gave her a choice, which is what Danny Silk said we should do. And I didn't agree with, but I gave her a choice. And the power struggle was diminished because hmm. suddenly she had a choice. Do you want to drink your milk or do you want to eat your Cheerios first? And um, just seeing that real life example went, oh, so hmm. my 12-year-old <clears throat> probably also... If I gave up some of the power struggle with him, it would probably help our relationship, hmm. and it really has. And so, again, it's one of those books you read and you go, I don't want to change on this. <laughs> I just want them to do what I say when I say it. But the book really does um, guide you in the right direction towards loving your kids within boundaries, um, healthy boundaries, and allowing them the freedom to not live up to your standards. Hmm which I tend to have pretty high standards. Um, this, uh, another one by Danny Silk is uh, Keep Your Love On. And um, that's a book that I can't even put in a 30-second snippet of what it's really done. And I'm in the midst of it right now, so I'm not finished with it. Um, but Blake and I have a marriage retreat uh, here in, well, next weekend, actually. And we get the chance to... Uh, go through that video series, and so it's going to be even better. Um, I'm sure it's going to completely rock how we hmm. how we view relationships, how we love one another in a honoring and honoring one another. Um, that's not on my list, but um, uh, creating a culture of honor is hmm. another book I've read by Danny Silk. Pretty much, I like Danny <laughs> Silk. Um, and then another. Uh, book outside of Without Rival that I'm reading outside of Danny Silk's books um, is the Sozo Saved, Healed, and Delivered mm -hmm. book. Um, I will totally butcher their uh, last names, but it is, or their first names, but it's De Silva, who um, is out of uh, Bethel Church, um, and she was the founder of Sozo. But I love that book because it almost takes you on a a 12-week sozo of dealing with things little by little, of how you view the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
and really how your past influences that. And it's been an eye-opener for me because um, I've realized that up until just recently, um, I had no interaction with the Holy Spirit. And when I began to realize that and invite Him into my life and invite Him into directing my life, like suddenly things are clear. Hmm. Like it's just eye-opening to say, okay, so when you really invite all three parts of the Trinity into your life, you truly can be whole and see what God's doing in your life. So that's another um, another book that has completely changed o- me over the last couple of months. Yeah, it is so interesting that that Sozo teaching, I remember when I uh, went through Sozo training um, and they they went through that with you, the first question they asked was, who do you usually pray mm-hmm. to? Yes. Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, and who, who do you usually hear from? And I had never, ever thought about that. Of course, right. we understand the Trinity, right. but it was like, oh, personal. I'd never, ever thought about that, right. that question. So yep. that is pretty cool. Yeah, I always pictured um, this ruler-type God, this just um, like a king and proper, and, and, when, and that was always God to me. And so as I began to work through some things through the Sozo book, as well as some other training, it's just really amazing what what god will begin to break down in your life as you view him differently Hmm. so good good. so good well this has been an awesome interview um is there anything else you wanted to touch on i don't think so i'm sure there's a lot but i can't think of it there you go all right well would you just close this out by praying for our listeners absolutely Father, thank you for each person listening right now. And Lord, I just thank you for their uniqueness and the um, DNA that you have um, made them up. And just, Lord, I pray that they will embrace that. I pray that they will seek you out in their homes, that they will um, minister where they are in whatever season of life. And we've all been there. We've all had times of darkness. We've all had times of of running. We've all had times of um, being hurt, but Lord, I just pray that wherever they're at, Lord, that they will just seek you, seek others to pour into, and just to have experiences with you. And so, Lord, just during um, this listening, this time afterwards, I just pray that they will seek you, that they will listen to you, and that you will guide them to where you want them to be in their life. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Alicia, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on who we should interview next, contact us at doingministrywell.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at jimjessbaker.com. That's jimjessasinjessicabaker.com.